So we stand here at the end of another year. 2019 is just about over. Anybody glad that 2019 is just about over? Just a couple of hands. Man, you've had a better year than I have. I am so glad this year is over. Um, but uh, we stand here at the end of, a, of another year. And not only that, we are standing here at the end of a decade. Can you believe it? The teens are over. 2010 to 2019, we've, we've survived another decade. But not only that, we are standing here at GFCC at just about the end of our first century of ministry. We are going to, in 2020, we are going to enter into a new year, a new decade, and a new century of ministry at GFCC. How cool is that? You know, that's awesome. Now, oh, sure. That's, yeah, give it up for God. So the theme that I want to focus on today is this theme that God did more. Okay, and, and I, let me show you where I'm going to go with this. For I have been uh, the pastor, preacher, minister, preaching guy, dude, uh, for about 12 and a half years here at GFCC. So I've been here for 12 and a half years. And in the last 10 years, I have seen God do so many incredible and amazing things. And I want to share a few of those things with you today as we kind of take a look back uh, over the last 10 years of what God has been doing here at GFCC. Now, how many of you have started coming to church here at some point in the last 10 years, in the last decade? That's a lot of hands. That's a lot of hands. So a lot of new folks. So some of this stuff uh, may surprise you about where we've been and how we've got here. So um, the first thing I want to show you, I, I was doing some statistical research. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a pastor. We have to be like they teach us that. That's like preaching 101, like minister 101 is like focus on numbers. I'm kidding. They don't actually don't do that. They tell us not to, but I can't help it. Right. I get excited about numbers. So um, 10 years ago, at the end of 2009, we were averaging about 157 in attendance on a Sunday morning. We had one service, 1045, and we had about 157 people who came to church here then. We had less than $4,000 a week in offerings. That was our average offering was less than $4,000 a week. And our budget for 2010 was $200,000. Now that may not seem like a big deal, but wait till you see what it looks like now. You see, this weekend now, we are averaging 453 in attendance. God did more. We average now over $9,000 a week in offerings. God did more. Our budget for 2020, 10, just 10 years later, is $460,000. God did more. Isn't that incredible? And I, again, these are just numbers, right? These are just numbers. And, but I tell you what, it shows me that God is faithful and that his people are generous and that you guys have invited your friends and you've brought people along. We've had great out, outreach opportunities and ministries. And God, is, God did more. But these aren't even my favorite numbers. And these are cool numbers, right? But these aren't my favorite numbers. Let me show you my favorite numbers. From 2014 to 2016... We had 70 baptisms and about 117 total decisions. So 70 baptisms in three years. But in 2017 to 2019, we had 
126 baptisms and 100, yeah, 192 total decisions. Isn't that incredible? Again, it's because you invite your friends and because, you know, we, we, uh, we partner with God to see lives changed for God's glory. And it all comes down to these three words, God did more. God did more. We give him all the praise. We give him all the glory because he is the one who has done more. God did more. That is the theme of the last decade. And I'm excited. I'm excited about what the future holds. And we're going to start a series today. Uh, It's a two-week series called What's Next 2020? Now, a lot of pastors around the country are doing 2020 vision uh, sermons, talking about how, you know, you got to have a 2020 vision. Well, here's the thing about 2020 vision. 2020 vision is average. And as a church at GSCC, we are not average. And God is not a God of average vision. God is not a God of, uh, of ordinary vision. God is a God of extraordinary vision and above average vision. And our vision here at GFCC is no ordinary vision. It's no average vision. It is an extraordinary above average vision. And we are going to step into the future that God has for us. And that's what I want to talk about for the next two weeks. So this week, we're going to talk about looking back, but not lingering. Next week, we're going to talk about what's next. So these next two weeks are going to be very exciting, uh, and uh, we are going to talk about what God is going to do next, in the next year, in the next, hun- uh, next 10 years, and the next 100 years. In June of 1920, June 28th to be exact, a group of Christians got together in Griffith, Indiana, and said, we need to start a Christian church. And that's what they did. They started the first Christian church of Griffith. If you had a time machine, and you could get into your time machine and go back 100 years, and you would talk with the people then, A, they'd be really freaked out that you just like stepped out of a time machine. But if they were to, if they were to come, if, if you were to tell them that that handful of people, 30, 40 people, that 100 years from now, the church is going to be running over 450 people, and it's going to be doing well. It's, going to, it's still going to be here, still reaching people, hundreds of people baptized in, in just a three-year period, thousands of lives changed, community transformed, and it's all because of what you guys are doing now. I think their minds would be blown by what God has been doing here at GFCC. And they would probably want to jump in the time machine and come into the future to see what it looks like. And then after the shock wore off, they'd want to go back. (laughs) But it's amazing to think what God has done in the last year, the last 10 years, the last 100 years in Griffith, Indiana, through a group of people called GFCC. Now, today, we are in Philippians chapter 3. If you brought a Bible, turn to Philippians 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 952 of that Bible. Or you can follow along on the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, pull out your smartphone, go to your app store, and search for GFCC, and you can download the church app from there and follow along with the sermon notes. Like I said, the theme for this message is God did more. 
God did more. And yes, this is kind of like a rah-rah cheerleader type sermon of like, woohoo, look what God is doing. Um, but again, that's what it all comes down to is what God is doing. This church, our church, has had dozens of pastors, tons of elders and deacons, church leaders. Thousands of people have walked through these doors over the last hundred years. But the one thing that has remained faithful, the one thing that has remained constant, is that God has done more. And we're going to see what he's going to do next next week. Um, Philippians chapter 3. Let me set the stage for you just a little bit. Uh, the book of Philippians is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Now, Philippi was a major port city in Macedonia uh, in the Middle East. Uh, it was not a Jewish settlement. It was Gentile country. Okay, so uh, the people the, who made up the church in Philippi, the Philippians, um, were Gentile converts to Christianity for the most part. They weren't Jewish converts to Christianity. Uh, they were Gentile converts. And so there was an issue arising in the first century church about how people became Christians. And Paul addresses this in chapter 3. And we'll get into that in just a second. So Philippians 3, verses 1 through 6 is where we're going to start. And Paul wrote, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. That's one of the themes of the book of Philippians is joy. And so he tells them, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to, for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. I want to pause right there for just a second. What he's talking about is the Judaizers. Now, these were Jewish converts to Christianity, Jewish Christians in the first century who taught that you had, if you were a Gentile, you had to undergo the Jewish rite of circumcision in order to become a Christian. So to become a follower of Jesus, you had to become a Jew first outwardly before you could become a Christian. And Paul is saying that's not the case, that it's not about following the rite of circumcision in order to become a Christian. It is about faith in Jesus Christ that makes you a Christian. And so when you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith and getting baptized, that God does a spiritual circumcision of the heart through faith in Jesus. And it's only by his grace that we are saved. So it's not through uh, an outward rite of circumcision uh, as they were teaching in the first century. It is through faith in Jesus. And that's exactly what he says in the second half of this passage. Look at verse uh, Verse second half of verse four. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And what Paul is saying is that when it comes to outward signs that you are a uh, a good Jew, uh, that you are a religious person, Paul says, I have more. He, he could boast and brag about himself. That he was a Jew among Jews, a Hebrew among Hebrews. That he was a legitimate Jew. He was a legitimate Hebrew. He was not a convert to Judaism, but he was born a Jew. He had ethnic and religious heritage. He had ethnic lineage. 
that when it came to being a Jew, he was uh, the epitome. He was a Pharisee, meaning that he was an expert in the law of God, in the law of Moses. He was an expert, and he enforced the law, so much so that he ended up persecuting the church when people put their faith and trust in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. He was so devout and so zealous for the law of God that he would persecute those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, specifically Jews who put their faith and trust in Jesus. He would haul them off to prison and oversee their deaths. And not only that, but he kept the law perfectly, he said. 613 laws of the Old Testament, and he kept them all. He said, as far as legalistic righteousness goes, I was faultless. But he says, that's not good enough. He says, that's not what it's about. Keep going. Look at the next passage, 7 through 11. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing, uh, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul's looking back on his past, all right, his lineage, his heritage, his genealogy, his ethnic identity. Looking back on his past, he says, I consider all of that good stuff, the stuff I used to be, that I used to consider to be so good, I consider all that stuff to be Garbage. Garbage. Now, I've told you before, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek, and the ancient Greek word for, for that is translated here as garbage is the word skubalon. That's a great word. The word skubalon literally means refuse, trash, animal dung, or poo. That's what the word means. That's what it means. Can you say skubalon? Skubalon, right? It's a fun little word to say. Congratulations, you just used a dirty word in church. Not really. But that's what it means. It means, it means animal dung. It means uh, trash or refuse. He says, I consider my past, Paul says, I consider my past to be garbage or trash or poo compared to knowing Christ. Compared to knowing Jesus. Compared to having a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I consider everything else to be trash and garbage and poo. Everything else, nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ on the basis of faith, he says. Nothing compares to it. So my past, garbage. So what do we do in the present? We look forward to the future. And that's what Paul says in the last three verses here. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. And by all this, he means the, the identifying with Christ in his sufferings and, and in his death and resurrection. Not that I have already obtained all this. Or have, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's using language that is reminiscent of a race. Uh, of like a running of, of running a race. Now, how many of you are runners? Anybody here like to run? 
<laughs> Three of you, great. <laughs> the rest of you, like me. I'm not a runner. I've told you before, I do not run. If you see me running, you need to be running. Because there is something chasing us. Could be a bear, could be a zombie, Tyrannosaurus Rex, I don't know. But what if you see me running, you need to be running. How, have you ever heard of the program uh, Couch to 5K? All right, so Couch to 5K is a program to get you off of the couch and start running toward a 5K race. It's a 30-day program, and it's, 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 it's like delineated. Like, you know, the first day you walk, and then you like run for 30 seconds. You walk for, for five minutes, and you run for 30 seconds, okay? And so I did this once. I did the Couch to 5K once. And like I said, it's a 30-day program, and I, I maybe got to day six. And then it was back to the couch, okay? It was like couch to 0.3K, back to couch, you know, and I haven't left since. <laughs> I haven't left since. Anyway, um, Paul is using language that is reminiscent of running a race. And he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to race to the finish line. I am going to press on through difficulties, through hardships, uh, through trials and tests and tribulations. I'm going to press on to win the race, to cross the finish line that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to persevere and press on. No matter what happens, I'm going to press on to get home. He says, I forget what is behind. And I'm going to press on to the future. And as a church... That is exactly what we need to do. It's fine to celebrate the past, but we can't get stuck there. And we can't live in the past. We cannot stay in the past. Like I said, it's okay to celebrate it. And the numbers I showed you earlier, those are great numbers. But I got news for you. God's not done yet. Oh, God did more. But God's not done yet. So the first thing we need to do as a church, and not just as a church, but as Christians... We need to forget what is behind. We need to forget what is behind because what's behind us is behind us. That's the past. It's past. We got to forget what is behind. And like I said, a lot of good things have happened here in the last year, in the last hundred years, in the last decade. A lot of good things have happened here. But if we focus solely on what has happened in the past, we'll never get to the future. We have got to Forget what is behind. We need to forget about the past. And again, it can be a good thing to celebrate it. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't want to forget the past. I, I kind of want to go back to the past. I liked it better when our church was small. I liked it better when I knew everybody. I liked it better when we sang the old songs. I liked it better when we uh, had the old ways of doing things. Can't we go back to the past? No. No. Paul says, I forget what is behind. I'm going to forget what is behind. We're going to stop looking back. And instead, we're going to press on to the finish line. God has a glorious future ahead for the Griffith First Christian Church. And we're not done yet. Because God's not done yet. Statistics say that three out of every four people in America, don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's a lot of people. Three out of every four, about 75% of people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know how many people live in Griffith and Highland? About 40,000. 
about 40,000 people live in Griffith and Highland. If you extrapolate out the numbers and go 75% of 40,000 people, anybody? 30,000. 30,000 people, statistically, do not, in Griffith and Highland, just to, these are our neighbors, our co-workers, people we pass by on the, on the street. 30,000 of them don't have a relationship with Jesus in Griffith and Highland. And you think, oh, no, that's not, that's not possible. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm the president of the Griffith Clergy Association. Okay? Like nine years running. Crazy. Nobody else wants the job. They just keep sticking me with it. Um, I'm the president of the Griffith uh, Clergy Association. And out of the 17 churches in Griffith or so, about 17 churches, we're the third largest church in Griffith. That's, we have 450. We're third largest. With 450 people. Now, here's the thing. If the third largest church has 450 people, uh, what does that say about the people who don't know Jesus? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And if we spend all of our time in the past, focusing on the past, that we completely miss everyone around us, and we don't press on to that finish line, reaching people who don't know Jesus... I mean, if an asteroid were to fall, God forbid, if an asteroid were to fall on Griffith and Highland, it'd be a pretty big asteroid, but you know what I mean. I mean, 30,000 people wouldn't go to heaven. So we're not done yet, folks. We're not done until 30,000 people come to church next weekend. Wouldn't that be something? We need a bigger parking lot. <laughs> Much bigger. We already do, but... But until 30,000 people show up and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're not done. We are not done until we reach everyone. Until every knee bows. Until every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Until every knee bows. Until every tongue confesses. We are not finished yet. We have not hit the finish line until every knee bows. Until we reach absolutely everyone. At least until we tell everyone that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through Him. We have a job to do. We have people to reach. And if we spend all of our time in the past, like the Israelites. Remember the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert? What did they keep saying? Oh, it would be great if we could go back to Egypt. You know, we were slaves and beaten and making bricks without straw. You know, that was, that was good times. Good times. And if we spend all of our time wanting to go back to Egypt, wanting to go back to the past, wanting to go, what about all those people who don't know Christ yet? If we circle up and kind of circle the wagons and just say, we're just going to be a nice little Christian club, a little Christian country club, and just make ourselves feel good all the time. I don't understand why we got to do all this stuff, why we got to improve all these things and make our children's ministry space better, make our lobby space and do stuff in here. I don't understand. I don't get it. It's not for you. The Griffith First Christian Church does not exist to make you comfortable. Sorry, newsflash, shocker, hate it, I don't care. It's not here to make you comfortable. We are here to reach people for Jesus Christ. And, and I want to build a barricade at the gates of hell to keep as many people out of there as we can. And I want to take as many people to heaven, I want as many people to cross that finish line as, as we can possibly take with us. And as a church, that is our job. Jesus Christ gave us a mission statement. 
Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything he's commanded us. That is our mission statement. Make disciples. Help people follow Jesus. Whereas people don't know Jesus, we're going to introduce them to him. And if people do know Jesus, we're going to help them follow him better because it's all about knowing Christ. That's what Paul says. It's all about knowing Jesus. So my question for you today is, do you know Jesus? Well, well Sean, here's the thing. I mean, you don't understand. I mean, my, uh, you know, my grandma was baptized in this church. My mom was baptized. I was baptized in this church. Great. But do you know Jesus? Well, you don't understand, Sean. My, my, my grandparents helped finance this church building. Uh, my dad used to change light bulbs in this church building. I, I, I've been here every week my entire life. Great. But do you know Jesus? Well, Sean, I mean, uh, we had per my, my grandmother had perfect Sunday school attendance for years and years and years. And my parents sat in the same pew every single week before you got rid of them. Um, still sports, I know, still a sore spot for some, but you got to admit, those chairs are comfortable. Anyway, my, my parents sat in the same pew for 20 years. And I've had perfect attendance for year after year after year. But do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him, a loving relationship with him based on faith and based on grace? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? You can do all kinds of good religious type activities. And you can read your Bible 25 times a day. You can pray 50 times a day. But do you know Jesus? Are you counting on that to save you or are you counting on him to save you? Do you know Jesus? And if you do, who are you telling about him? Who are you sharing him with? As a church, I want us to know Jesus Christ and to share him with absolutely everyone. And we will, as a church, do everything short of sin to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ. We will not sin to bring people to heaven with us, but we'll do everything else. Whatever it takes to bring as many people to heaven with us as we can, we are going to do it. The stakes are too high. People that you know, people that I know, neighbors co-workers, family members, friends, people that we know who, if the world were to end today, would not go to heaven. Can you let that happen? Can I let that happen? Can we as a church let that happen? And the answer is a resounding no. We can't let that happen. God forbid that that would happen. We have a job to do. We need to forget what is behind. We need to press on to the finish line. So that people will know Jesus Christ. It's been a good ride, folks. The last year has been incredible. Record-setting year. The last 10 years, record-setting. Just the church has grown by leaps and bounds. 100 years, again, get in that time machine and go tell those folks on horseback what, a, what an amazing thing has happened here. And that's fine to look back and say, wow, that was great. But now it's time to look ahead and say, what's next? What is God going to do next? God did more in the past, but he's got more he wants to do in the future. And I look forward to seeing what he's going to do next. And we're going to talk about that next week.